Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 136 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. The best pizza in the city still making it great. It's Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated 49 years. I want to emphasize that point. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For more locations, visit royalpizza.ca and download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. At Royal Pizza, everything is real. None of that synthetic cheap crap. It's old school, big boy pizza. You need to work out maybe the next morning or something if after you have it. But it's awesome stuff. Royal Pizza, keeping it real. All right, here we go. 136 in Edmonton. And our uh, next guest is Brian Wild, who years ago many of you used to watch uh, probably on uh, CTV Edmonton. He's uh, He continued uh, being employed uh, for CTV out of Montreal. He's now with Global in Montreal. And he's got a tough act to follow because we just had Wayne from the Edmonton operation on the show. Brian, how you doing? Which I complained about on Twitter. The indignity. Yes. Just, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, the show is called Oilers now, you know. like. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. makes entire sense. Actually, somebody said to me, said, oh, I rarely use the word appalling, but I have to use it here. Yes. So there you have it. Uh, so last night we're sitting around, and I, uh, uh, Brian, I'm a guy that's basically up until at least 1, one thirty most nights. Uh, so you got that one easy. Yeah, I got the one last night easy. Uh, but uh, boom, Canadians uh, make the Max Pacioretty trade. Uh, they get back. You take a look at the deal. Uh, a guy in uh, Tomas Tatar that struggled a bit with Vegas. Uh, Nick Suzuki, who's a really good young prospect at center, and a second-round draft choice. How is this trade playing down in Montreal right now? Uh, I would say it's about 50-50. Because you're always going to get the people that only know Max Pacioretty, and they're going to think that that was terrible because he's a perennial 30-goal scorer at a bad year last year, but everybody expects to bounce back. And then the other half of it is the people that know Nick Suzuki and what kind of promise he shows, and then people that kind of look ahead and understand that these are going to be some lean times for the Montreal Canadiens in the next two, three years. So to have Max Pacioretty kind of perhaps maybe degrade over time when the team really isn't competitive anyway. So they just thought that he wasn't a cornerstone piece, Bob. When, you, when you're when you not a cornerstone piece and you're kind of, you know, not that good right now and probably going to finish only ahead of Ottawa in the Atlantic Division, you've got to look at the long future instead of the short one. And, and those people understand that he just didn't fit that bill. But he's going to fit the bill in Vegas perfectly. I mean, they got a cup contender. He's a goal scorer. What then? And they had to find goals for Perron and Neal. And and uh, for them. yeah, well, it does, and it's uh, it was a remarkable job done by that combination. 
uh, obviously of George McPhee and Gerard Gallant. Uh, We'll see uh, how they how they do this uh, season. Obviously, signing Paul Stachny as well. Were the Canadians in on Stachny to uh, get him? Was he a potential uh, free agent target for Montreal? Yeah, they they did target him, but he he essentially said he didn't want to play here. It's hard to get people to play in Montreal. You understand how it works. I mean, the, ta- the tax situation is this is fifty three percent here. It's the highest in the NHL, and he just uh, Pacioretty just signed for thirty six percent tax in Vegas because they they don't have a state tax there. They only have federal. So 36 to 53, that's 17 percent. So he made seven million. You would have had to pay him 8.8 here. Yeah. Good luck. Well, that's a tough deal. I mean, Jerry Johansson's <laughs> right. Jerry Johansson's. Go- I mean, good luck. So, so here's the thing. This deal for me is fine. It's it's kind of like when people assess what happened with Edmonton. Like I think the greatest criticism that would be fairly directed at the Oilers would be the Reinhardt trade, right? Because they gave up a 16 and a 33 to, to to get Griffin Reinhardt. And what would you have if you just drafted the two players? You'd have two more, you know, two more. Probably one guy that's already in the NHL and another guy that's a really good prospect. The Hall trade for Larson. As much as I personally like Taylor, and frankly. Um, I'm a little bit surprised he won the MVP just because I thought it was going to be McDavid or Crosby every year, but I'm, I'm elated that he won it. The owner still got a, a pretty good player back in Adam Larson in that deal. And the Everly trade for Strom, you know, I look at it like, okay, it was really this year, it's Everly for Strom and Reader when you take a look at the money. But with Montreal, I'm looking at this deal, uh, Brian, I'm going, okay, it makes sense. This deal makes sense, but it's those prior moves. Like, I didn't like the Drouin trade for Sergachev. Like, it made no sense to me. Uh, so give me well, your thoughts on the on the bulk of the work that Bergevin has done here over the last two years, and has that put him in this position where he's he's kind of in right now? Well, I mean, the bulk of the work isn't, isn't great, essentially. I mean, you had a team that is two, three years removed from being in the Eastern Conference Final, and then they finished seventh the previous season and dropped to 28th. But I don't know if the big move that cost them necessarily was Druan Sergachev. I think the plan there was to see if he could play center, and I don't think he can, uh, which has a little bit to do with his VO2 max. He, by the 45-second mark of every shift, Jonathan Druan just does not have the energy to be a center. I think he's a winger just on his energy alone, to be honest. So that, that was a little suspect because you gave up four years there. Uh, and you could sure use a left-handed D right now because if you look at the left-handed side of the defense, which is where Mark Bergevin has made most of his mistakes, Victor Mete is your number one guy, barely out of his teens, wow. five nine, you know, fourth-round pick. I mean, they're just really, really weak on the left side, and Sergeyev could have been somebody they could have used. And they wasted a ton of money on Carl Alsner, who everybody's hoping can recover, but he won't. I mean, he's not going to recover. The, the, the league changed. And right. It started to move towards speed, and you had to have the ability to head man the puck, and they don't have anybody that could do that, really. Uh, the right side I like for the future uh, defensively. I think Josh Brook is going to be a great defenseman. He was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. He, I think he's got promise. Noel Juleson was a first-rounder a couple of years ago. He looked good in the half a season so far. And Shea Weber, when he gets half healthy, I think has got career left. But on the left side... Oh, they're terrible. They got Mete is a young kid who's already overachieved. How much more can he bring? Osner's a waste of time. Jordy Ben's old style. He can't move the puck up. He needs ten seconds to find somebody. That's no good in today's NHL. Uh, they just uh, they got they got nobody on the left side. It's really really weak, and I think they're going to be a very weak team this year going forward. 
Carey Price and Shea Weber, when he gets healthy, they'll move him 71 points to 81 points, which is still a really bad number. I think they're figuring out their center ice position. they got a lot of hope in the future at center. Based on Suzuki, what they just did, Kotkaniemi should be good. Olofsson was a nice pick in the second round. Paling was their first rounder last year. But defensively, it's going to take some time. Because as you know, defensemen work. You guys are hopeful that Bouchard can turn it to someone. But it wouldn't surprise me if he needs one year. I mean, the defender yes. can step right in. You know this. That's a big thing. Yeah. The no, 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 no. I mean, step right in. That's a big thing. And the Oilers have a chance with Bouchard. Loved him. Loved him. Got a chance to see him. High quality player. And he's mature already. But even, even as much as I love him, Bob, I still think he takes one more year. Uh- it's just the way it goes. Brian, the most things. likely scenario is he gets mm-hmm. somewhere between three to nine games with the Oilers and then ends yep. up back in London and plays in the yep. World World Juniors. And, and I mean, and as you stars. know, and the, the Knights are going to be loaded this year, so they're going to have a chance. Yep. Uh, you know, they got Boquist as well on the back end. they got some good forwards. Uh, so the, Formerton will be back there, so they're going to have a good team. Brian Wild from Global Montreal. So... But- uh, what, what you have there, Bob, if I could just interject for a second, is you can say to your fan base, there is Bouchard. There is the guy that could quarterback the power play. There is the guy that dominates the Ontario Hockey League and has the best offensive numbers in the Ontario Hockey League, I think, in a decade. There's the guy. But the Canadians can't say that. They have nobody to point to. Yeah. And well, they, they do it. They the do down. I will, they, you know what, Brian? They do down. Here's the thing. I know the Oilers really like Jess Barry Kakaniemi as well. I think the hope was, I, I don't think for a second Edmonton thought Bouchard was going to be available at 10. I think they thought he, he was going to go 5, 6, no, 7. Steel. Right? It was a steal. And, and Kakaniemi, for me, in April was going to go 10. And by the time we went to the combine in Buffalo, which would have been the end of May, uh, it was clear he was going top five. And then with where the, where the centers went, I believe the Canadians have got, between Suzuki and Kakaniemi, at least two Number yep. two centers, at least two I number two centers. Center figured. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how good Palin. Like I don't know how good Palin is. For me, he might be a third line center, but I think they got two guys that they could probably play as as centers down the road and and you know generate some offense from those positions. Mm-hmm. But there's a the, the Sergachev deal for me. I just like. Oh, I, and you're right because they that Sergachev is is your Bouchard. Yes, except except for he, now he's not there anymore, and he's a so, left sh- and he was a left shot, and then, exactly. And Bouchard so was right. Got, you've got your hope on D, and the Canadians don't have a hope on D. They don't have a Bouchard. They don't have a young gun coming in. They haven't drafted him yet. There's no one of that upper echelon that Bouchard is. And when you consider that, if you're super lucky, a defenseman can be available in year one, but more likely in draft plus one. Yeah. So if they haven't even drafted him yet, <laughs> the blue line on the left side especially looks pretty weak for three years. Okay, let me ask you a question here. So you said, you know, they're a 70-point team without Price and Weber. Right. Uh, they'll get that combination back at, you know, how long's Weber out for, by the way? Halfway for, through the so, year? Till halfway, no, not that long. They're hoping for Christmas. So they're thinking 25 to 30 games. Does there come a point? And I don't know if Bergevin survives this, because the the market's always going to support the team. We both know that it's it's as mm-hmm. uh, for, like for for yes, I mean for Jack and me, Montreal and Canada and Chicago and the states. Those are the two best locations in the entire league to go to. Okay, and it's not even close. So uh, you're, they're always going to support it. Can can the Canadians afford to potentially 
Like, could they move out Weber? Just to, I'm just going to throw this at you. Could they move out Weber if they took back a, a bad contract and and got an asset back to get from out that contract? And conversely, could they do the same thing for Price and totally embrace the rebuild? And would that would that would that work in that marketplace right now? I think it could work in the marketplace. I don't think the fans would have any difficulty with it, but I don't think that that's how they conceptualize it at all. They don't see themselves being so many years out that they can't find value in Price and Weber still. They see them as being players that can still bring five to eight years of hockey left in their careers. So they see two, three dry years that maybe they waste those two players but they still see them okay. as a cornerstone towards a rebuilding of the championship caliber team, okay. which is a three to eight year window. Yeah, I think the goal with the goalie definitely. Like, I don't think there's like you know you're talking. Yeah, a, but I, I think I, they still love Weber. He yeah. just happened to have been injured for a year, but I don't think they think that he's historically now a broken man. I think they think he's an unlucky man. Now, are they angry about the trade? Was still. No, the Weber trade, I think they're gonna, there's going to be part of the fan base that's angry forever. I mean, yep. P.K. Subban was an unbelievably popular player, and the most popular player along with Alexei Kovalev since I've been here covering the team since 1997. Right. Uh, so those two guys stand out. So there's always going to be some antipathy towards Mark Bergevin for doing that. And it's really a shame because Shea Weber's a hell of a hockey player and a great leader, and a uh, good guy in the community and everything, but you know he just he'll just never be that popular because he'll always be the guy that got traded for the the, the guy that brought the, them out of there. Brian, as you know, the irony is around the league. There's a lot of people that think that PK is a real self indulgent player, and that's the antithesis uh, you know, of what Bob, anybody uh, would say mm-hmm. about Shea Weber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- that's the funny thing is. You're absolutely right on that matter. There are a lot of people that know a lot of stories about PK, and yes. they don't tell them, and uh, because that's just the professional thing sure. to do. And there are no stories about Shea Weber like that. Yeah. And then the other side of the coin is the donations to the hospital and the work yeah. that he's done for charity right. and how much he appears sure. as a public face for the league. And he's loved for all of those reasons. So. <laughs> I'm talking as a player, though. When you watch them play, what mm-hmm. like there there's oh, aspects no, yes. of Subban's game, like from a dynamic. Well, even pers- Brendan Gallagher came out and criticized him. Right, and I mean, right. and you know, and <laughs> I tell you, I worry about fighting Ian because he's as tough as anybody. Brendan's dad, but uh, you know, it's it's just like when you watch PK play. Sometimes it appears to be a bit about PK, and nobody would ever say that about Shea Weber. That's what I meant about the. I, no, I'm not no. talking off the ice. I'm talking yeah. on the ice. Yes, PK is more dynamic than Shea Weber, but yeah, there's but a reason. What in the room? Yeah, Bob, in the room, what you're talking about off ice translates. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can't sit there and like I love PK. I'm a big PK backer, but yeah. I can't lie to you and tell you that in the room he hasn't found his enemies. Hundred I mean, percent. Even Brendan Gallagher and his buddy, this little kind of, they basically subtweeted that he wasn't their biggest fan. Yeah, they didn't really like him very much. You know, you can't ignore that that moment happened. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's out. Who's there, the next captain for the Canadians? It's going to be Shea Weber. It's A lot gonna... of people think it's Brendan Gallagher, but I mean, to me, Shea Weber is the quintessential leader. He's everything that you want. He's got aura. He's got presence. He's got everything. And Bob will tell you what: when I interview him, I'm almost afraid of him. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's just that kind of powerful force. Yeah. He reminds me of Mark Messier. What a great pleasure to cover during 
the yeah. first half of my career. Yeah. Messier and Weber, to me, are almost the same person as captain. However, uh, there are a lot of people think it's Brendan Gallagher just because he's a guy that houses on the ice. I hope it's Weber. I think he's a terrific Well, player. I'll give Brendan credit. I mean, after you bust your hand twice like that and have a plight in your hand, it's amazing that he came back the way he did last year. Brian, we got to do this again, okay? Pleasure. Absolutely. Th- thank you very much. That's Brian Wild from... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Global out of Montreal. It's 151 in Edmonton. We'll uh, wrap up the show with this day in order's history when we return. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. It's 154 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. Oilers now. Tomorrow, Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry in the province of Alberta. Spec will join us down at Rogers Place, where tomorrow night the Oilers rookies will take on a uh, Nate McEwen All Star team. A couple WHL players. I've just been sent over the roster for that. Thomas Foster who played in Vancouver, and Moose John, the Western Hockey League, will uh, be on that Nate McEwen team. Colton Waltz, a uh, defenseman of the Brandon Weekings. I think he's out of Vermilion, Alberta. Uh, he'll be on that uh, team as well. So we'll look forward to uh, having that game for you tomorrow night on uh, 6.30, Chad. To this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company, who remind you that by booking with a travel agent, uh, it will provide you a peace of mind whenever you travel. A year ago today, the Edmonton Oilers announced that Chris Kelly was coming in on a PTO. Chris Kelly ended up around the Oilers for a while, ultimately represented Canada in the Olympics, signed with the Anaheim Ducks, retired, and now works for the Ottawa Senators organization. This Day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel again. When you uh, book with a travel agency uh, that has access to exclusive benefits, it'll make your dollars travel further. Call the travel experts at New West Travel. And again, we've got order trips coming up for you this year uh, that uh, we'll be uh, announcing uh, down the road. But uh, think Nashville and Vegas. I know uh, Jalen and Andrew have got a trip in Jamaica. That would be one relaxed trip if you're with uh, Andrew Gross in Jamaica. Jalen, I think Jalen would go pretty hard on that trip. But Andrew, I could see him being a little bit more 
relax. You might want to check that out at newestravel.com. Reed Wilkins is tonight on Inside Sports. It is uh, the Eskimo Show because it's a Monday night. Morley Scott in conversation with Jason Moss coming off the Eskimos' thrilling 48-42 victory over the Calgary Stampeders. What a performance by Mike Riley. Six touchdowns, three through the air, three on the ground in the uh, victory. And the Eskimos, by the way, returning to action September 22nd. It's a bye week. It's Morley and Dave doing in the studio today. What's with that? Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen and I and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody. Offer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.